Um, we're, this is a bit of a one-off this morning. Um, it's not really part of a series. It's something actually that I began to look at um, a few weeks ago when I went to the Isle of Wight uh, to speak. So that's where Mark and Jackie Thornett are. Many of you will know they went there at the beginning of the year. Um, I was there a few weeks ago. Um, and they gave me a passage to speak on, which was around the Lord's Prayer. Um, God really spoke to me through that, and I've just been gripped by it since. So I just wanted to bring a bit of that to you um, this morning. Prayer is key, isn't it? Prayer is key to where God's got us right now, seeking him, going after him, developing our relationship with him. It's fundamental to who we are. Prayer is key. And Jesus, of course, taught us how to pray. That's the passage we're going to read in just a second. Um, But because it's become the Lord's Prayer, and particularly, I guess, maybe in our culture and the way we're brought up in school and the way we hear it said again and again and again, we kind of get inoculated, I think, sometimes against the Lord's Prayer because we've heard it so many times in so many religious kind of settings and we've reeled it off the tongue without even thinking about it so many times that it becomes this uh, thing that just washes over us. And yet this is Jesus uh, talking to us about how we should pray. So it's pretty key for us, really. And I just feel like as I've looked at it over the last few weeks, that God's kind of dropped into my heart some just, I guess, three simple things that I believe God wants us to get to grips with as he teaches us about prayer. Um, and it, it's pretty simple, but I feel like that's the, the um, theme of this morning, that God wants to get us back to basics, just to the simple truths of the faith that uh, he's kindled in our hearts the simplicity of our relationship with him and the, the outrageousness of what he did on the cross in order to win that for us. Um, I was just so struck in the prayer meeting. It kind of follows on from what Helen was saying earlier. Um, it was something that Olive said in the prayer meeting uh, that it's so simple for us now to come to God, but only because of the most outrageous act in the whole of history, which was Jesus upon the cross. And this incredible, outrageous thing that you would never have dreamt of that God has done in sending his son to die on a cross in our place. Incredible. You never would have thought it. The, the universe looked on in, in, with astoundment. What's the noun? Astoundment. Astonishment. That's the one. <laughs> the universe looks on in astonishment at that God should do such a thing. I believe that, you know, that angels were in awe. They never saw it coming, that God would do that, that he would send his own son. Outrageous act at the center of history. And yet what it wins for us is this incredible, simple way that we just come to God because our sins are forgiven. And we have this incredible relationship that we make complicated, we make religious so often, but um, it's, it's really not complicated. And I believe that's something of what God wants to say to us this morning. So what is... Jesus getting at, what are these key things that I believe that he wants to say to us um, as he teaches us to pray? Let me read from Matthew chapter 6. So this is starting at verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 
And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, because they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And let me just read the heart of that in the message, which again makes it simple. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors. This is the message, uh, verse 7 who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. I think that's good. I really like that. And my first thing, really, that I believe God wants to get to grips with as he teaches us to pray It's just who we are as God's children and who he is as our father and the fundamentalness, if you like. I can't get any words right today about that. Let me read some of the... The clue really is in a lot of these verses where the word father keeps getting repeated again and again. Verse six, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. This is then how you should pray, our Father in heaven. If you forgive other people, then your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And then it goes on in the next section as well. It talks about fasting. Do it before your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And a bit further on again, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. The pagans run after all the things that we get excited about and anxious about in life. But your heavenly father knows what you need. Amen? We have an amazing heavenly father. We are kids. We're children of the greatest father that there is. The one who loves incredibly, who is over the whole universe. And I believe that God wants us to get to grips with the fact that he's our father. And that we're loved as his kids. And it's fundamental to who we are. And it's very simple, isn't it? We, um, I, I'm sorry, by the way, if you were in the East last week, then you're going to hear a lot of this stuff again. And there's one or two faces who are there. So I'm, I apologize in advance. But if you will f- uh, f- switch between sites like that, then... Um, <laughs> only playing. Um, a few weeks ago, right, uh, last month... Uh, We had taken a day off. I'd taken a day off work. Uh, We were going to go to London, to the theatre. It was all very exciting. The kids were being packed off to school. Um, uh, Joel had already gone on the bus. Eve had gone off on her bike um, to school. I think Esther hadn't gone yet. Um, But then we were just all getting ready, all excited to go to London to the theatre. And there was a... uh, The doorbell rang. A very insistent doorbell ring. We opened the door and there was Eve 
back, our middle child, back on the doorstep in floods of tears. No, maybe she wasn't in tears at that point, actually. She was being all brave, but blood coming from her head and dripping down onto the doorstep and in a bit of a state. Um, And so it turned out that she'd got halfway to school. Well, actually, she'd got nearly to school, come off her bike, um, abandoned the bike and run home because she was, her knee was hurt and her head was hurt and she was in a bit of a mess. And we were kind of like, ah! It was one of those moments where you're like, are we about to have to go to A&E? What state is she in? But the point of me telling you this story this morning is because we kind of said to her, well, why didn't you just go into school? It turns out that she was uh, almost at school. She'd nearly got there. Um, but she said she just wanted to come to mum and dad. And of course, the reality is that really she wanted to come to mum. But for the point of my story, she needs to want to come to her father as well. Okay, So uh, the story is that she came that she dropped everything and ran home to when she knew that mum and dad were. She didn't really want to go into school. And so actually what dad had to do was not look after her, but go and find the bike and the sunglasses and the helmet that had been strewn all over the path and just literally left where she was because she dropped it and run um, with blood dripping down her on the rest of it. Now, as it turned out, she, she did go back to school. She came home later in the day. We did get to go to London last week. Somebody asked that afterwards because I, I didn't say the end of the story. Um, but the point is, what do you do? Where do you go in those drop everything and run moments? Because we have those in life, don't we? I don't know about you. I have quite a lot of them and I'm getting on in years. But where do you go in those drop everything and run moments? Because we have a good Father, we have a good, good Father who loves us, who knows us intimately, who knows everything about us, knows exactly what we need. And I believe that He wants us to be children who drop everything and run to Him at those moments in life. He wants us to be dependent on Him. Thank you, Richard, for the yes. Let's have some more of those. That's good. Um, I love that Father, the, the song, that the good, good Father. Um, Let me read you a bit of that. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night. And you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. That's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. I've always struggled with that grammatically. I have to say, I'm loved by you. That's who I am. Not quite sure that works really. But the thing is, that's the truth, isn't it? That is our identity. That is the most fundamental defining thing about us is that we are loved by a good father who made us, who actually has redeemed us if we've put our faith in Jesus Christ, but who loves us with an unending love. Amen? And that is the most important thing about who we are. It's the most important thing about our identity is that he is our father and that we are his children. And I believe that he wants in us a culture of dependence on him. And I don't think it's something that the world teaches us. I don't think it's in the culture around us. I think it's something that we have to relearn. You know, I think we're trained in our culture uh, that we're to be independent, aren't we, so often. That that is the great goal, is that you are independent, that you can look after yourself, that you don't need to rely on anybody else, whether it's the government or family or, you know, become independent, be your own person. But actually, I think what God wants to put in us is an absolute dependence on him. 
That he's the one that in our drop everything and run moments we go to, where we don't have to have everything sorted, where we don't have to be all organized, we don't have to have everything together and worked out, but actually we have a good father who wants us to, to rely on him. Amen? And I think, I believe that what he wants in us is that culture of dependence on a good father. I don't think, think it's in... In fact, isn't it true that actually, of course, independence is the root of sin, isn't it? That we would be independent from God, that we would rely on our, ourselves, that we're okay in life, thank you very much. That's the opposite of what God wants. Actually, to live for God, to respond to him is to say, Lord, I need you. I'm absolutely... I can't do it without you. I run to you at every opportunity. And of course... A couple of verses down in the prayer that Jesus teaches is, give us, the, give us today our daily bread. And you know, I think, again, why is it our daily bread? Why is, why is he saying, give us today our daily bread? It's, it's give us just what we need today, isn't it? And, and a bit further on, he talks about not worrying and not being anxious and not worrying about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough cares of its own. But actually just worry about today. Just go to your father for the thing that you need today. Because actually that's all we can cope with as human beings. We get all these sophisticated ideas about how uh, amazing we are. And, uh, uh, and how we can cope with all these different things in life. But actually the way God designed us. The design plan is dependent on God and one day at a time. That's the model. That's, that's what's behind this prayer. That He'll give you what you need for today. And so we go each. And that's why it's so key to, to go to him each day, isn't it? Because actually that, that's the model. That's the pattern is that one day has enough trouble in it. But actually God's promise is, I'll give you enough for today if you come to me and depend on me. It's like the Israelites in the desert, isn't it? That's what, when they were rescued out of Egypt and they were wandering around in the desert and God gave them manna, it was only ever enough for the day. And what was the point of that? It was a training program in sonship and daughtership. It's you're not slaves anymore. You don't have to fight. Uh, your, your heavenly father will provide what you need. But I want you to learn that it's coming every day. You can't store it up. You can't plan it out. You can't organize God out of it. No, actually, you've got to be dependent on him every day. It's only going to come each day. And that was their training program in sonship and in daughtership, in living with this loving heavenly father who looked after them. And I believe he wants us on the same training program. And that's what's behind the Lord's Prayer, is he wants us dependent day at a time. That's all we can cope with. But actually, the promise is, if we come to him at the start of the day, well, at the start of the day, you decide when you do it. But if we, he will give us the things that we need for that day. He will, his promise is, I'll give you everything you need. I'm your good father, but take it one day at a time. Because you're limited. And I'm God and you're people. Amen? So the first thing, that's the first thing. I think that God wants us to get to grips with our dependence on him, who we are. He talks about fasting afterwards. That, uh, so as you read forward in Matthew 6, if you go on and read it, you get echoes of the same thing as he talks about fasting and he talks about giving. So as he talks about, actually, what are you doing when you fast? You're saying, God, I'm dependent on you. I need you. Actually, it all I have, okay, food I need to live, but actually that comes from you in the first place. So as I go without food for a bit, I'm saying, God, I recognize everything, everything good comes from you. It's a declaration of dependence. Same with giving away. We give away. You see, 
Did you know God doesn't actually need our money? I don't know if that's ever crossed your mind. He's okay. He can get it from somewhere else if you don't give it. But the point is that he wants to train us that he's our provider. And so we give away so that we're more dependent on him. He says, I'm going to provide for you. You go and bless others and let me look after you. That's the way it is. I train you to be sons and daughters that way. Not train you to look. You see, if we keep hold of our money and what we have, that's us saying, I'm going to look after myself. But what he wants to do is to say, no, I want you to be generous. The, 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 the whole principle of the New Testament when it comes to money and possessions is generosity, isn't it? But why does he want us to be generous? Not because he can't provide it if we don't do it, but because he wants us, like him, generous, but also dependent on him. So that it's, we have to go to him for what we need because we gave away what we were going to use otherwise. Amen? Training in sonship, training in dependence on God. So that's the first thing. The second thing I believe in this prayer that he wants us to get to grips with is where we live. The kingdom that we live in, if you like. So the clue is in, he's not just our father, he's our heavenly father. His home is somewhere else. Okay? His home is heaven. And do you know what? If you're saved, yours is too. This is not your home. Okay, we live in this funny mix-up of kingdoms right now, don't we? We live in the kingdom of this earth, but we also, if we're born again, if we've given our lives to Jesus Christ, if he's forgiven our sin, we also live in the new kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus Christ that is coming. Amen? So the kingdom of Jesus Christ that is coming, that will eventually fill the whole earth, that was inaugurated when Jesus was a man on earth. Yeah? When he died and rose again, the, the new kingdom was, came in. That kingdom ultimately will fill the whole world. Amen? That's exciting, isn't it? But right now, we live in this weird time where that kingdom has not yet fully come, but the, the kingdom of this earth is still here. So we're in a time of overlapping kingdoms. How, hence some of the hassles that we have in this life. And our prayer, and so our home is in a, another kingdom. Our home is in the future. Our home is in heaven. This is not our home anymore. It's an outpost of the kingdom, if you like. And what is our prayer as we live in the outpost? God, let your kingdom come more and more here. Let your kingdom come in more and more. Because actually we're citizens of this other kingdom. We're citizens of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And our prayer and our passion and what we go after in life is to say, God, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come increasing in my life. Your lordship be seen in me, in the people around me, in all the things that I influence, in, the, in your body, in the world around. Let your kingdom come. Let you be seen. It's coming anyway, by the way. It will come, but we have a role as as inhabitants of that new kingdom in ushering it in. Amen? Amen? And that's one of the... So let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are those who get to get this incredible role and it's one of the key things that we do in life now that we're saved, that our home... We, we're secure. Your future is secure. If you're a Christian, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, your future is secure. You have hope. But now your role is bring hope to others. Usher in this other kingdom. And so I think that's a key part of this prayer as well. It affects everything that we do, doesn't it? Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. In this life you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. 
So we know, we understand as we approach the circumstances of life, we understand that we will have trouble. We understand that because we know that we live in this crossover of kingdoms. And so it's not a surprise to us, but our reassurance as we come across the trouble in life is, take heart, Jesus says, I've overcome the world. And so we're empowered by him, we're filled with his spirit, which by the way, what does the Bible say the Holy Spirit is? A deposit of the future age. Yeah? It's a deposit of the future. It's a deposit of heaven. So as we're filled with the Spirit and we see the activity of the Spirit around us, that's a reminder. That's, that's the kingdom of heaven breaking in. And so we say, come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us. Let this new kingdom break in on us increasingly. Let, we, let us see its power. Let us see the evidence of it around us. So I believe that God wants us to get to grips with who we are, dependent children on a good, a good father, I believe he wants us to get to grips with where we live in the age of a coming kingdom, not satisfied because this is not our home. It's only our temporary residence. Don't get too settled here. Don't put down all your roots right now. But actually, God says, doesn't he? And um, here's the echo again as he talks about fasting and money and other things. Don't put all your hope in this world. Don't store up your treasure, he says, in, in this world. But actually, invest your treasure in the, in the world to come. So invest the, th- the gifts, the money, the, the possessions, the energy. Invest what God's given you into the future kingdom. Because actually, what are you doing when you do that? You're storing up treasure for yourself in the future. Incredible truth. But that's Matthew 6. As you invest in a future kingdom, whether it's by giving away or by uh, investing in people, giving of your time, your energy, your pos- using your possessions for the kingdom, actually the Bible says you're storing up treasure. It even says for yourself in the coming age. Incredible. But God says be or- let your thinking be orientated by where your real home is. And that should affect everything about this life. So that's one of the big things behind this prayer as well. It's who we are, children of a good father. It's where we live, that this is not our home, it's a temporary residence. And then the third thing I believe that he wants us to get to grips with, with this prayer, is what really matters. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. You've probably heard that before, it's not original to me. But when you pray or when you fast, Jesus says... What matters is what's unseen. It's what you're fighting. Don't matter about what's going on on the outside. Now, you might not be like the hypocrites uh, that Jesus was talking about. We might not be uh, full of long prayers and doing, doing our praying on street corners or, or making ourselves look terrible when we fast. We might not be doing those things, but there'll, but there'll be other things. Other things that make it religion rather than a matter of the heart. But God says, no, the key thing is what's going on in your heart. It's the unseen that really matters. What's your heart like towards God? What's your heart like towards one another? That's why, isn't it odd? You see, as I've been reading the prayer, I think, isn't it odd that he goes on so much about forgiveness in this prayer? Lord, forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. But not only does he say that, but then as soon as he's finished the prayer... Straight away afterwards, he goes on again and says, look, because if you don't forgive other people, then God won't forgive you. If you forgive others, God will forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, then he won't forgive you. He's making a big thing about forgiveness. Why is that? Because it's a matter of the heart. It's a key thing about the heart. Actually, what God's done is he's restored the relationship between you and him. 
He's got that right. And, and we need to keep that in a great place now. Now that we've become, now that he's won us into his family and he's restored the relationship and cleaned, cleaned us up so that we can relate to God again, we, we keep going to him and saying, Lord, forgive me. Repent and believe every day. It's not a one-off thing. We didn't repent and believe once. We keep repenting and believing. We keep saying, God, I want this relationship with you to be clean. Uh, as we know that there's things that we've done wrong, which we do all the time, and I know that we, we, we're not aware of all of them, but we keep going back to God and going, God, cleanse me, forgive me. I know that you, you have. I know that you are because of Jesus. But we want that relationship with God to be right because the key thing that really matters is the heart, is where our heart is with God. Amen? And likewise, he says, because he goes on about forgiveness, likewise, so important is the relationships between us and other people. Where are our hearts with other people? Have we forgiven just as God has forgiven us? It's fundamental. That's a scary thought, isn't it? That if we don't forgive others, God doesn't forgive us. That is a very sobering thought. But it shows the importance of the heart. It shows the importance of where our hearts are. So, What's the thing that we need to get to grips with here? That actually in our praying, in our lives, it's where our hearts are that really matters. It's what's not seen. Never mind what people are doing on the outside. doesn't matter if, if somebody seems to be the most amazing prayer. You can tell nothing by that. It's like Facebook. It all looks lovely on the outside. But you really don't know what's going on. No, God says what's really important is what's going on in your heart. And Callum, by the way, he did a great job this morning. And he'll be stressed. You'll be stressed. I know about that song that went a bit wrong. But hey, look, that is completely irrelevant. Sorry to use you as an illustration on this point. But the key, I know you'll be stressed about it. But well done. You did a great job. And the, po- the point is, what... <laughs> he's not going to talk to me on Tuesday now. But the point is, what really matters is the heart. It's, what's not, it's not what's seen. Who cares what goes on on the surface on a Sunday morning? That's the least important thing. The important thing is, where are you with God? Where's our worship with God? How are we with God? How are we with one another? The unseen things, the most important things are a matter of the heart. That's what, so, that's what we need to get to grips with behind this prayer. Here's a bit of summer holiday reading for you. Counterfeit Gods by Tim Keller. It's been recommended here before, I know. But um, I'm reading it at the moment, and it talks about all the idols that we have in life. The superficial idols, and now I got to the chapter this week where it talks about the deep idols that are underlying, like our need for approval and our want to be in control and those kind of... And it is, it's really challenging, but it'd be great if you're on a beach somewhere this summer. Counterfeit Idols by Tim Keller, okay? You should read it. Um, but it's... It's the heart that really matters. And again, same echoes in fa- as he talks about fasting, same echoes as he talks about money. What does he say about money? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The thing that he's really concerned about is where is your heart? And one of the key things that, that uh, one of the key indicators of where your heart is, is he says, have a look at your bank account. See where your money goes. I'll show you where your heart is. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Really interesting indicator. But what God is concerned about is where our hearts are. I think we're going to stop there. I think we should come back and worship and pray. I think we should share communion together. I want us to celebrate. It's, it's not complicated, is it, this stuff? It's not complicated that we're children of a loving Heavenly Father who is a good, good God, who knows exactly what we need before we pray. See, 
The thing about prayer is, God doesn't need information on what we need. Did you, were you aware of that? He, he doesn't need us to tell us. He doesn't need us to tell him what we need. He knows that already. But what he wants is that relationship of dependence as children to a loving Heavenly Father. It's not complicated. This is not our home, but actually we're from another kingdom. And our job now is to say, God, let your kingdom come. Your rule and reign here, as it will be. Let your will be done. And then thirdly, to say the key thing is where's your heart? Where's your heart with God this morning? How's you and him? How's your, how's your you and God relationship this morning? And how are you with others? Are there, are there relationships that, where, the, where your heart's not quite right? It's fundamental. It's key. It's very simple. It's very simple, but they're core things, and they're right behind as Jesus teaches us how to pray. They're the key things, I believe. Amen? And so let's, let's come to God. I'd love us to share communion together now, just to uh, give us an opportunity to get our hearts right with God again, just to come to our Father, but also to celebrate the simplicity of this amazing relationship we have God, with God because of God's outrageous act at the center of his history. That means we have this incredible privilege and blessing. Callum, do you, are you all right to come back up? Or have you walked out yet? Because I've... I'd love us to share communion together. Let's just... In fact, should we stand... Let's stand up. Let's just take a moment. I'd love us just before we do anything else, let's just take a moment, just ourselves before God. Let's get our hearts right with him. Let's just look at our hearts a minute and say, where are we with God? Where are we with others? Let's just take a moment to examine our hearts. Father God, Lord, we love you. We thank you for this incredible relationship that you've won for us, Jesus. Thank you for your incredible love for us, Father God, you're so good to us. You know us so well. You know what we need before we even ask. You're a good, good Father. And we run to you today again. Lord, we thank you that your mercy is new every morning. It's unending. And Lord, I just want to pray now that you would just speak to each one of us. Lord, thank you that you can do that. That's how amazing you are. Lord, I pray that you would highlight things. I pray that we just might come before you, repent if, we, <clears throat> repent if we need to, just examine our hearts, say where are we, where's our, where's our heart at with God? Father, just come and whisper to us by your spirit, will you? Lord, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. We thank you that it never ends. Lord, where where there's restoration needed this morning, Father, I pray, come in your mercy and your grace and restore us. Restore relationships to you this morning, Lord, I pray. Restore relationships one to another. Lord, challenge us where we need to put things right, Father, I pray. I'd love to invite you to come and share communion right now. This is for those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. If that's not you this morning, then... I just ask you not to take the communion. We'd love to talk to you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But we're going to celebrate what Jesus has done in this incredible, outrageous act in dying on the cross in our place. And 
We're going to celebrate all that he's won for us, this incredible relationship we have. Let's pray for one another. Let's bless one another. Um, Please, let's share. Go and help yourselves. It's on four tables around the room.